the challenge of biotech is really to take an egg, boiling it, and then make the egg raw again. And this is really what, what you're doing in biotech. You're, you're taking something out of its natural form and you expect it at the end to be back into its natural form because that's how it's going to be a valuable biotech asset. And if you can't do that, then that's a problem. Hey, smart scientists, welcome to another episode on the Smart Biotech Scientist podcast. Are you wondering how to succeed in bioprocess CMC development or whether you should outsource or not? Well, then you are in for a treat because today I'm having a conversation with Bernardo Estupinian, who is the principal at Drug Biologics Consulting. He has global leadership experience in R&D, manufacturing, quality control, market research, and global marketing and business development. And we're going to talk about crafting a solid CMC development plan. What are the important steps? When you should you do that? And then we're going to look into the specifics of outsourcing. Are you juggling the complexities of CMC development while trying to enjoy the beauty of biotech? Have you ever wondered if there's a way to simplify bioprocessing? Welcome to the Smart Biotech Scientist Podcast, where we're diving headfirst into the very challenges you face. We're breaking it down, demystifying the jargon, and giving you the keys to unlock your full potential. I'm your host, David Brolman, and I get it. With 15 plus years in the biotech industry, I face the same challenges you do. There's a way to simplify and streamline so you can remove complexity, you can skip trials and errors, deliver without delay your groundbreaking therapy to clinics at market, and still enjoy every single step. Do you want to learn how industry experts and I did it? Grab a cup of coffee and your favorite notebook and pen. Now is the time to take your bioprocessing game to the next level. Let's smarten up biotech. Hey, Bernardo, welcome to the Smart Biotech Scientist podcast. It's so good to have you on the show today. Wonderful. I'm grateful for the invitation. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure. Bernardo, share something that you believe about bioprocess development that most people disagree with. Something that most people disagree with. I believe bioprocess development is an easy thing. <laughs> And everybody's going to disagree with that because it's, it's not easy. But the reality is it's a fun process. It's something that's very enjoyable to do. The results that you get out of doing it is just amazing. And it's challenging. And I think as a person, if you don't like to be challenged, if you don't want to be amazed, you shouldn't be in bioprocess development. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love what you're saying. So before we jumping into our main topic, the CMC development, and then whether you should outsource or not, tell us how you got started in biotech and how you got to the place you are today. So I started years ago. I actually studied marine biology, and then I got involved in biochemistry. I love biochemistry. I spent many years in academia. And from academia, I transferred to Roche Molecular back then when uh, Roche had acquired the rights to PCR. So I was part of the team at Roche that took PCR out of the shadows of technology into mainstream technology. We developed Amplitac Gold, which would then allow us to do the hot start PCR. And today you can't talk about COVID without talking about the 
RT-PCR technology and rapid detection. And all that led me to really grow in the biotech space, initially working in manufacturing, did a lot of process development, troubleshooting, marketing. At some point, I switched out of that side and decided to work with contract development manufacturing by bringing this technical expertise into the business development acumen. And so I've spent now close to 15 to 20 years working as a technical business development person with biotechs and CDMOs in the US and Europe that are looking to build their business in the US, Europe, Latin America, etc. And since you've seen that many aspects of the biotech business and the industry, I'm curious, in your experience, what are the main challenges that biotech scientists and engineers often encounter in bioprocess development and manufacturing of biologics? I think one of the biggest challenges is that they come up with this amazing molecule and they think it's just a matter of expressing it in a platform and manufacturing it. They don't realize that making these amazing molecules are actually really difficult. And I tell people the, the challenge of biotech is really to take an egg, boiling it, and then make the egg raw again. And this is really what, what you're doing in biotech. You're, you're taking something out of its natural form and you expect it at the end to be back into its natural form because that's how it's going to be a valuable biotech asset. And if you can't do that, then that's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And now let's start from the beginning or let's lay some groundwork because when you have a molecule, a promising molecule, obviously you need to develop a manufacturing process and you need to get that molecule to the patients. So can you guide us through the critical considerations in establishing the foundational elements of bioprocessing CMC development for a recombinant drug? Years ago, when I was working at one of the CDMOs, we started this concept, which today is called uh, developability and manufacturability. And what this concept is, is doing exactly what you've just asked. You have a promising molecule that you've done in the lab at small scale in a little test tube, and you need to find ways to scale that up to 2,000 liters. And so the very first big question is, can you develop a process for this? And that addresses developability. And then the second question is, can you manufacture it? That's addressed by manufacturability. So you run, because as a CDMO, you learn what are the parameters, not only on the development side, but also on the manufacturing side. You're able to mimic these large-scale parameters at small scale. And very early on, can you determine whether or not this molecule can be manufactured? And if, can it be manufactured in a way that's cost-effective and at scales that would meet demand should it ever go into market. Yeah, I love that. It's all about making sure that you can develop your molecule and then that you can manufacture it. And, and these questions should be asked very early on, right? Yeah. Before you even talk to anybody that's going to make it, you need to have those two questions answered. Absolutely. Because otherwise you go down a rabbit hole and that rabbit hole will be very expensive. And after two or three years, you're going to end up with nothing. And once you have the green light, once you have answered these two questions, what is the next step? So obviously you need to have a roadmap to then get the molecule into the clinical trials. So can you outline the different steps we should take and I'd say the different milestones of this process? There's going to be several steps that you have to take in parallel. One of them is, for instance, when you do the developability slash manufacturability assessment, 
that allows you to seek additional funding because you will need to raise money in order to take that molecule out of discovery and into the IND roadmap. Then you have to look at this question of who is going to make it. Do I make it or does somebody else make it? What are my requirements? What are my volume requirements? What are my quantity requirements? Where am I going to make this? Am I going to make this in the US, in Europe, Asia, uh, Latin America? Who has the capacity to do that? Who has the capability in the right scale? And the big question always comes down to price and quality. Those terms are very critical, interchangeable. And then, of course, you start searching for a development partner, and there's a ton of them out there. The question is, how do you decide who to pick, where to pick? It's a road that you can't navigate yourself, even though you talk to small biotech. Everybody wears many hats. It's something that you can do yourself, but you're better off really finding somebody that can help you navigate that process. If you're in big pharma, that's a different story. There often you have internal capacity and you have already established relationships with service providers to help you go through some of these processes. I think your question is more towards the uh, the startup, the biotech, the persons that are just starting with this great idea and how do I get this to the clinic to show proof of concept? Yeah, absolutely. And before we go into these specific questions, whether I should outsource and who should I pick, I am also wondering whether you could speak on at what would be the best time to start thinking about these different milestones and asking these questions? Because some of our listeners, there are working in a startup company and they might be even in preclinics. Is this already a good time to start thinking about that or should they wait? Or when is the best time to do that? The best time to do that is the minute you think you have a great molecule, you have to start thinking about that. And the reason I say that, David, is because often what companies, what people find out is that things don't move as quickly as one would think. And you can say, wow, yeah, okay, so this works and I have a, I've established a process. I'm going to go talk to this friend of mine who works at the city mall and see what they can do. And they'll come back to you and say, well, yeah, we can do that, but you know, we can't do it for another year. So you have now wasted an entire year because you didn't start thinking about this early on. It is really very important that as soon as you have something in mind, that you start talking to people, companies, network, who can help you and so forth. Like, for instance, you're smart biotech scientists. I mean, that's really the perfect platform for new companies to say, okay, you know, let me listen to this. What do I have to look for? And so you start thinking. And then through your platform, you give all these different links to here's you, who you can reach out to. Often you will find out that people love to talk and they love to give free advice and they love to give you guidance. It's not always about making money. Most of the time, it's about trying to help startups get in the right track because we know down the road, you're going to get to the stage where you have the money, you need to start contracting and so forth. And there's nothing worse than losing time because you didn't plan ahead. And Bernardo, can you help the startup companies understand what are the key factors that lay this groundwork for success in later stages? Because if you make some mistakes now, it could mean that you spend a lot of time or a lot of money or you lose that money. And in the worst case, you don't even manage to bring your molecule to the patient because you run out of money or you have a quality issue. So what are these critical things we need to watch out for? First of all, what is very important is for you as the biotech person is that what do I have? Is it a biologic? You need to know how did I make this biologic? 
Is it a naive? In other words, native, I just extracted it from a bug, and therefore I know this is a protein, or have I been able to express this protein in some sort of a platform? Is my expression platform microbial, or is it mammalian? And so these will be the two very, very important first steps because it has to be in one of those two platforms if you're ever going to take that into clinic. So then you as a scientist, you will understand the molecule best of all because it's your molecule. And so you will start uh, evaluating whether or not a microbial platform or a mammalian platform is the best platform for expressing this molecule. You have maybe you've done some cloning work already and you have some initial sense of this is the best platform. Once you have that, this is when you have to start looking at CDMOs out there that can support either the microbial side or the mammalian side. I track over 100 different service providers in this industry. Some of them are really very focused niche. They are really masters at early development stage. These to me would be the best companies that you can go to because first of all, you're low on funding, so you don't have a lot of money. These are companies that are going to be more willing to work with you when you don't have that much money to help establish a baseline process. And then with that, you can then start working on identifying a partner that will take you into a larger scale and then eventually walk you in, into clinic. But yeah, to me, the very first step is you need to know what's your expression platform. Absolutely. You have to know where it's going to be made at. Obviously, yes, knowing your molecule is important, knowing also where you're going and knowing who's going to be your partner. But we need also to talk about one more thing, which is the regulatory side, because we're not just doing science. Finally, we're going to deliver molecules to patients. So what should we consider and how can we make this seamless going from R&D into process development and then clinics? To me, the regulatory aspect is important, but it's still very premature. Your regulatory requirements don't really play a role until you're very far into the development stage and you're ready to go to market. Initially, what you have to do is anything that gets administered into a human, for instance, when you do clinical trials and so forth, has to be done under GMP. That is as far regulatory as you should look for in terms of bringing that molecule to the clinic because you want to make sure that this work is done under GMP. The development work, however, does not have to be done under GMP. Development has nothing to do with regulatory. Development has just needs to deal with how do I grow this bug that is going to express your molecule in such a way that you're going to get a certain amount of purified material that you can start proof of concept, you can do some doc studies, some PK studies, get some proof of concept, etc., before you transfer that into something that's a manufacturing setting. During that time, one of the things that is very important to do is to make sure that the reagents and the chemicals and whatever it is that you use is something that is all available in a GMP brand, GMP grade, because if I use sodium chloride to make my buffer, I need to make sure that the sodium chloride that I use is GMP grade because that same sodium chloride I'm going to then use when I do my clinical manufacturing. So you have to make sure that those things aligned. That in part touches the regulatory, but it's not really. It's just better safe than sorry kind of thing. You know, don't pinch the penny in order to get to then at the end have to spend a lot more to repeat a lot of the activity. Key for that is GLP, good laboratory practices, GMP, good manufacturing practices. When you start looking for service providers, 
you need to make sure that they meet those two requirements. They work on the GOP, they work on the GMP. Then you're, you're set for regulatory purposes. Don't worry about regulatory until you get past phase one studies. Yeah, but what I'm hearing is still that some knowledge of regulatory well, is beneficial because if you do the right things right from the beginning, you will not have to catch up later, right? I think this probably falls back into the first question you asked me in terms of what about bioprocess would you say that most people would disagree with? I mean, I would say this falls under that area because I've dealt with many, many, many companies. When they look to bring a product into phase one clinical studies, they're already thinking this is going to be the next blockbuster. This is going to be my next star, Humira. I need to make sure that my regulatory path is correct. I need to make sure that the CMO that I'm working with is able to support commercial manufacturing, that they've been inspected by the FDA or by the European medical agencies and so forth. What they fail to realize is that when you say this today, it will probably take you 10 years to get there. Now, I don't know about you, but if you dial back 10 years ago, everything that you said 10 years ago, is it still valid today? It's not. I mean, everything changes. So why are you going to get agita? Why are you going to get heartburn over worrying about things 10 years from now that you don't even know what's going to happen? And also what you have to realize is that most of these companies, they do have an exit strategy because they say, okay, I'm going to go to phase one, phase two studies, and then I'm going to divest my asset. I'm going to have a big pharma buy it. Let the big pharma who's, who buys it worry about the regulatory roadmap because most times they're going to take that and they're going to completely change everything that you've developed and worked so hard to do because they need to adapt it to what it is their business model does. So don't worry about it yet. I mean, right now, worry about making it affordable, control your costs, manufacture it in the GMP, make sure you have all the tests in place, make sure that the process is robust enough that when you scale up, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. These are things that you have to worry about and they have nothing to do with regulatory. They just have to do with good practices, good manufacturing, good concept, good development, and so forth. Hey, smart biotech scientists. I hope you have gotten as much value out of our conversation with Bernardo Estupinian as I have. Bernardo is the principal at Drug Biologic Consulting. And in the second part of our interview, we're going to look at outsourcing. When should you outsource? What should you outsource? how much that will cost, what are the strategic steps you should take, and much more. So stay tuned for part two that will drop this Thursday. All right, smart scientists. That's all for today on the Smart Biotech Scientist podcast. Thank you for tuning in and joining us on your journey to bioprocess mastery. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. By doing so, we can empower more scientists like you. For additional bioprocessing tips, visit us at smartbiotechscientist.com. Stay tuned for more inspiring biotech insights in our next episode. Until then, let's continue to smarten up biotech.